yeah, would love to talk about like online sex work and sure. like, stuff like that. Anything you want to ask. Welcome back, Intimates. Thanks for your support on Patreon, making this 2021 season possible. This podcast is about all things intimate, relationships, love, connection, community, consensual non-monogamy, kink, orgies, lovers, and of course, good old-fashioned sex. I talk with old friends and even meet some new ones. I interview people from all walks of life, from recovered addicts to counselors, sex partners to perfect strangers. I'd like to thank my hosts, the Musqueam First Nation, as this podcast is recorded on their unceded ancestral territory, where I was born, where I work, and where I currently live and play. So settle in for an intimate conversation. Have you ever wanted to build an OnlyFans brand or been curious how successful people do it? Well, Alex Owens is here to talk to us about how they started their OnlyFans and how they built their brand and their following and their offerings. Enjoy. Hi, Alex. It is great to be talking with you again. Hello. Yes, it is. So you have an OnlyFans that you would like to talk about today. And yeah, you can find Alex if you want at https colon forward slash forward slash onlyfans.com forward slash hey Alex Owens VIP. I almost was like, wait, is there an S sound on Alex? And I'm like, yes, that's an X. <laughs> Had to think very hard. Alex is also part of Bad Company Burlesque who are going to weekly shows hopefully in February or whenever um, we are allowed to do that because of COVID. And also is part of a BIPOC burlesque slash variety collective called Diasporic Dynasty, which is hopefully going to be putting on a show every two months. So Alex, tell us all about how you built your brand. I'm super interested to learn. Okay, so how I built my OnlyFans brand from the very beginning had zero followers or anything so I had like a small you know my small like kind of friends following on like Instagram I had like some following because of my burlesque so like some burlesque people were on there too Facebook I basically like just like messaged a shit ton of people on there like hey I'm doing this OnlyFans thing like me a lot if you could check it out like kind of that kind of thing um and so i think i got like maybe a hundred people there just from that um because i i actually have a free page and i have a paid page and at that time i just had a free page um And so, yeah, like a hundred people on my free page and I'm like, please like my posts, like interact. So it was a lot of like one-on-one, like messaging people like that, that I knew already. Um, and then I created a Twitter for my persona. Um, I would go to like, um, porn sites and look at their followers and follow their followers. Oh, smart. Yeah. Yeah. So I started building my Twitter that way. Um, and I have gotten some people from there as well. Um, I also tried Reddit, um, but that wasn't super fruitful. Um, I think promoting yourself on Reddit, um, like takes a lot more time and energy than I had to give. So I just kind of scrapped that. Um, then eventually I made an Instagram for my 
persona. Um, and yeah, so that one, I think like the followers, some are from Twitter and then some are from like my personal page and some are from uh, real life stripping um, that are on there as well. Um, Cause it's the same persona that I use for stripping. Um, and most of how I grew my page was through like cross promotion with other creators. So there is a messaging platform that most of us are on, like similar to WhatsApp with like groups where you can like coordinate that with other people and like kind of do that. So during the pandemic, I had like a lot more time than I do now. So I started doing that like pretty hardcore and that really like built my page and you can also like pay established um kind of models to like message their followers be like hey check this person out or like post you on their page for like a certain amount of time and i like did that as well and that like brought in a fair amount of people um yeah so that's kind of how like i grew my page now that stuff has been like happening in real life again i have kind of put only fans on the back burner like i'm still doing like creative shoots and like making custom content and stuff but as far as like promotion goes i'm not really doing much of that just because i'm more focused on in-person stuff mm -hmm. yeah and do you mind if i ask if you do in-person sex work as well or is it just online sex work uh, well, I do stripping. I work at a club here. Right. Got it. Mm -hmm. um, but no, no other kind of in-person sex Got it. work. Okay. Yeah. Cool. That is quite a comprehensive, like, here are all the things <laughs> I did to build my brand. Thank you for that. Yeah. Um, I'm sure plenty of folks out there will find that useful. Um, I definitely, um, I struggled a lot when I was first building, like, a cam couple brand because I was doing that with a couple of my partners that wanted to do camming. Mm -hmm. um, and then you get into all sorts of conversations about like, wait, but I just saw you camming with someone else. How is this person also your partner? And you get a whole bunch of uh, questions, oh, yeah. that, which turns uh. into how do I do that? And like, how do you get educated for that? And also turns into like, you know, people trolling you and being angry at you that you're doing this and that you're betraying these beautiful, wonderful people. And I'm like, I love these beautiful, wonderful people. Um, but yeah, so that yeah. gets interesting. But uh, um, yeah, go ahead. Something, sorry, something that I forgot to mention, like that messaging platform mm. for anyone's listening who like wants to grow their OnlyFans, it's called Telegram. Um, I found some of the groups on there, like through YouTube. So like YouTubers that are like, hey, this is how I started my OnlyFans. And some of them have like groups on there. So yeah, that's something you can do that. I just wanted to put that in there because I forgot to that's Same. so helpful. Yeah, because finding other content creators when you're first starting, you may not know any yet. It's really helpful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So um, finding direction. We were talking about um, like manifesting stuff, like trying to set an intention or like a goal and then having that present in your life and moving towards that goal. I'm curious if you could talk more about like how you've been using this year essentially to do more soul searching and figure out where you want to be. Yeah. Um, well, I guess I've just been kind of examining, um, like limiting beliefs I have about myself and, um, kind of limiting beliefs that I identify with. Um, like, like I'm not the person who could do this or like stuff like that. And 
just realizing that like I can be whoever I want to be. <laughs> um, yeah, I forget what I'm talking about. No, that's, <laughs> that's a legitimate point. Like that yeah. you can be whoever you want to be. And like, I think it's easy for people to forget that for some of us, that's a revelation. Yeah, totally. Sorry, my partner just came in. Hi. Okay, I'm back. <laughs> awesome. Um, so yeah, limiting beliefs. Are you doing any like discovery of those limiting beliefs, like with a counselor? Or are you doing it mostly like on your own? Uh, mostly on my own. Um, like I've found like a couple of podcasts that like talk about that. I've been listening to like some audiobooks. Promote the podcasts uh, and the audiobooks. Give them shout outs. Okay. Um, so I found this one on manifestation called Manifestation Babe. Okay. Um, it's like a bigger podcast. Um, it's uh, an entrepreneur that basically like built her business and now she is like a multi multi millionaire and super successful and of course yeah <laughs> um oh someone who is um local to vancouver who i've really been enjoying content from is courtney adams okay yeah yeah courtney is a life coach um and she they i'm not sure um has a real like social justice like equality kind of lens that they bring into their manifestation and life coaching that i really like resonate with um mm-hmm. yeah and they have a podcast and they have like an instagram also that they post stuff on so cool hmm. uh let me see books well um one audiobook that i've really been enjoying is called Atomic Habits by... Uh, absolutely. I'm James just listening Spear. to that. Like, no shit. I'm Are you literally, I am, yeah. It's good. <laughs> it's not manifestation, but it's about, like... Um, Behavior like modification. Actual, yeah. Yeah, like, effective systems to be able to accomplish your goals kind of stuff. Yeah, 100%. Um, and kind of, like, the psychology, like, behind that and your beliefs um which i've really been enjoying i think i'm just like a couple chapters in but i really like it it's really good it's like the literal like scholarly approach behind manifesting it's like okay but how do you actually Mm. do the things to bring things into your life other than just like saying oh i hope these things happen like how do you actually make them happen so it's more about like habit forming and like behavior modification which are like yeah they're like the bread and butter of like effective humans and i'm like i want to learn to be an effective human totally also like sorry go ahead yeah oh i was gonna say um i mean people like say this like you know baby steps like one little bit like every day will accumulate but i really i didn't understand that until i listened to the author like with his book and it really just like i i understand that now that it really does take little by little by little Mm -hmm. to have like the overnight success or like the big breakthrough you know Mm -hmm. like it's always just like little steps leading up to it like you cannot just like get there yeah you know yeah and the people who say they did just aren't quite filling you in on how much they did while they were quote-unquote failing before they got there yeah (laughs) totally yeah so that it has just like filled me like refilled me with like hope for the things I want to accomplish 
And it makes me feel like, oh, I think I actually could. I could do that like kind of outrageous thing that I want to do, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. Are you listening to any other audiobooks right now? Let's see. Let me look at my library. Um, I'm currently reading. Um, uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> There's such a latency between us that like I'll start talking when I think you're I not. And then by the time my words get to you, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm talking over them. It's OK. Um, OK, so I read Polysecure. Very good. Which I is love Polysecure. Oh, my God. Oh, isn't it so good? So about good. About the attachment styles and stuff like that. Yes. Like secure attachment. Oh, so good. I want to reread it like a few times. I'm like, I this is information that I need to actually 100%. soak up. 100%. Yeah. Yes. It's so <laughs> good. I would say Polysecure is probably in my top five of books I've read over 2021. I would put it up there with like... Oh God, I would need to look at a list to properly, because I don't usually rank them, but uh, no, it is, in fact, I would say Polysecure is probably in my top three because it's such a significant relationship book for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've, and, and it's it like, really was like very validating. yes, it was totally. And I've also just had so many experiences with like half-baked attachment theory where like people are trying to like, <laughs> well, cause that's like for lack of a better term, it's like some person, usually a femme writing a blog about attachment theory with a huge monogamous slant to it. And like mm. talking about nurturance culture, it's like, yeah, like when I hear an assigned male at birth person talk about masculine, toxic masculinity and nurturance culture, I'm there for that. But it's kind of like, I don't know, it's it's pretty challenging as a gender non-binary person to listen to femme after femme after femme after femme say the same things about nurturance culture. And I'm kind of like, mm. it doesn't always land authentically for me. Like, obviously, toxic masculinity is something anyone who's been a victim of it can talk about, which is everybody in society. Um, but when yeah. it comes to, like, what the solution is, it always feels better when, like, the call is coming from inside the house, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But then you run into the yes. problem that, yeah. like, AMAB humans are often socialized as men and often do not do emotional labor. <laughs> so yeah. that leads to like really interesting problems. So whenever there is an AMAB yeah. human talking about it, I'm always careful to listen. What were we talking about? Wow. ADHD is the worst. <laughs> it's okay. You're just talking about like Polyscure. audiobooks. Polyscure. I got it. I raised my hand. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So attachment theory, right. So you get all these people blogging about like, oh, attachment theory is so amazing. And like posts keep going like or or like a few years ago, all these posts about attachment theory kept going viral. People were like, wow, this is like so Mm. groundbreaking. And I'm like, this is just basic attachment theory over and over and over again. And like, that's great that people are discovering it over and over and over again. But also like Mm -hmm. so much of it feels so monogamous and so like it's applicable to me, but there's so much monogamy tainting what's being said. And I felt like Polysecure is the first book that was like, yeah, (laughs) there's a reason we're friends. (laughs) But, uh, but yeah, so this was the first book where like a proper trained professional was like, hold up, let's unbundle monogamy from attachment theory and just talk attachment theory as it applies to anything, including non-monogamy. Mm-hmm. That's so interesting that you say that. That makes a lot of sense. But like, honestly, all my um, exposure to attachment theory is like through a polyamory lens through like Facebook groups being like, oh, my God, this book or like stuff like that. Amazing. (laughs) I am so happy for you. It must be nice. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) I'm happy for you genuinely and glad you've had that experience. (laughs) Thanks. 
Okay, so Polysecure. So you read Polysecure. You read Atomic Habits. Yeah. Um, oh, I read this one, like, recently um, called Boundaries, where you end and I begin. Amazing. Um, uh, like, no shade, but I it was hard to kind of li- listen to the um, narrator <laughs> just for, like, my personal... Um, uh likes i guess um but the information was like very good especially for like someone like me who um didn't really get an introduction to like healthy boundaries um as a child mm-hmm. and i'm kind of having to like learn about that now mm-hmm. um there was like some kind of basic stuff in there but then there was also some um like less basic stuff and like practical ways to enforce your boundaries and it was also validating so i i felt like that was something that like i it was good for me to have read Mm -hmm. yeah what else um oh um when the body says no by gabor mate (laughs) have you read that um it's on my reading list definitely in fact i think both of those one of those is on my like audible reading list and one of those is like ready for me to read when the body says no but i haven't uh haven't gone into it yet Mm, fascinating yeah gabor mate is pretty cool he has a lot of content on psychedelics and how they can help with like therapy and treatment oh Um, but we're gonna talk about that in a different episode but yes (laughs) but we will have to talk about that (laughs) yeah yeah, those are kind of like my recent ones. Cool. Yeah, yeah, that's super rad. I So I usually, I kind of oscillate between doing nonfiction and fiction. So I'll start out and sure. I'll do like Atomic Habits and Polysecure. And then I'll be like, oh my God, I feel so like exhausted from this. I need a break for stories. So I recently started <laughs> yeah. into N.K. Jemisin's um, The Inheritance series, which is more fantasy oh. in my opinion. I'm just going to make sure that I, yes, I did get... Her name corrected is N.K. Jemison, um, J-E-M-I-S-I-N. Anyways, she's a, um, a BIPOC femme science fiction writer, and I'm a huge okay. fan of science fiction in general. And whenever I can find like BIPOCs and BIPOC femmes writing it, I'm like, I want to read all your things, which like in <laughs> yes. the case of like Octavia Butler worked out so well. My God, one of my favorite science fiction authors of all time, like all other things like not considered like regardless of whether the person was like a white dude writing in the 60s or whatever and like i've read a lot of asimov and a lot of like various other of the sort of like classics and octavia butler is still my very favorite author in terms of science fiction anyways yeah absolutely if you haven't read any of octavia butler stuff her stuff's pretty fun and if you don't want to like invest in a full read she has a whole book of short stories called blood child and other stories and Blood Child oh, okay. is like a male pregnancy horror thriller sci-fi. And <laughs> that sounds interesting. I think the thing I like most about her work is her ability to take the supernatural and the alien and use it as a narrative device to like explain oppression and power dynamics in humans. But because it's so mm-hmm. abstracted from human beings you don't immediately like identify what she's talking about on like a conscious level if you're not a very aware reader. So for me reading through it as like herpy derp derp derp, I like read through it and was just like, but that was an amazing story. And then like, for me, it's what's called um, fridge, fridge logic, which is like, if you're unfamiliar with the term, it's like when you watch a movie 
and you watch the movie and you're like, that was a good movie. And then you go to the fridge to get like another beer or another drink or whatever. And then you go, wait a minute. Everything you think from that point onwards is called fridge logic. So the idea is writers don't need. Like about the movie. Right. Yes. Correct. (laughs) Thank you for clarifying. As opposed (laughs) to like, I really need to put that thing in the mail tomorrow. Fridge logic. No, I'm just. (laughs) So (laughs) what happens is writers will write stories that are closed enough in terms of loopholes that you don't notice them while you're watching. And as long as you can enjoy the art Mm. as one piece, it doesn't really matter if none of the rest of it makes sense. For me, I'm a really analytical viewer. So like, I'll be like oh, I wonder why they made that choice of color or like, wow, that was so cool how the director, how the director of photography did that. Or like, I really like this, like one reaction this actor had, like I'll, I'll really be actively engaged with the stuff. And like, it makes for a unique viewing experience that only some people are suited to, which means if you don't Mm. like the person next to you, having reactions to stuff please don't watch things with me because i apologize in advance that i'm one of those humans and i'm gonna make your viewing experience terrible it's just how i watch things (laughs) if you like digesting the crap out of things and talking about them then yay hooray um but (laughs) okay no yeah so fridge logic is what octavia butler uses but in like a totally different way um she makes all these things like kind of come into your head about the story after you finished so you enjoy the art for what it is and then afterwards you're like Oh, the way that like parasite was like embedding its young inside of this boy's like flesh was really like, like, it's kind of like an analog for pregnancy and like being fertilized and like how that would feel if that were non-consensual and like, not that, that, not that you could ever communicate that. Right. Cause like, I'm not trying to say it's an identical, like one-to-one. I just mean to say that like, if to try and get an AMAB person to think about what it's like to be pregnant is like. I, I can't even imagine how difficult that is for femmes who want to have that conversation, but it's super neat mm. that there are these works out there to talk about, you know, misogyny and racism and they're bundled in such a way that, you know, even, you know, a map folks like myself can access them and go, Oh wow. I'd never really thought about it like that. So that's, that's why I'm, in, oh, that's why I'm in love with so it. Cool. It's like the work does the emotional labor for you. So you don't have to. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> love that anywho i'm sorry i just went on a random rant for like four minutes anywho (laughs) now we're back back to our regularly scheduled alex programming (laughs) (laughs) so yeah did you have any any more um comments about like limiting beliefs or like finding direction or like works of art that sort of like pointed you in the right direction because i'd love to hear about that if you have some suggestions Mm, well i guess like Something that just popped up was like, I don't know if you saw, but like Rihanna's like Savage Times Fenty like fashion show. Okay. Um. So like what she did, so she like does a makeup line and she does a, like a lingerie line. So, but she made like the fashion show into like a whole like immersive show. Okay. With like, with like, um, like lots of dancers, like crazy choreography. Um, cool. Yeah, like characters, like musical performances. And um, the last one um, was like, it took place in like a big building, like amazing like set. And like, just the idea of it was just like, there was so many worlds of like performance and art meeting for this one like thing mm-hmm. and um that uh, like I don't know I I feel like that 
element of like bringing lots of disciplines together into one thing like that excites me and I want to do that um, mm -hmm. in the future somehow. Um, but just like seeing something like that, which is, I mean, that I know of kind of like the first of its kind, like so mainstream like that was mm -hmm. just really like inspiring to see. You can watch it on Amazon. I'm going to have to, uh, yeah. yeah, I'm going to, yeah. uh, going to look up Amazon prime video and like take a look myself, I think. Yes. The most recent one is definitely like my fave. <laughs> and which one's the most recent one? Is that volume three? I think so. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I will write it down for myself to watch because that does sound pretty awesome. Yes. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. So yeah, I guess that just ties back to like limiting beliefs, like um, not knowing like how, where to start or like if it's possible, just like start with stuff that like you like and like yeah. put them together. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you for being on another episode of Intimate Interactions with me, Alex. So how did you like it, Intimates? Discuss your ideas with the community at facebook.com forward slash Intimate Victor or tweet me at Intimate Victor or follow my Instagram, you guessed it, at Intimate Victor. If you can spare the cost of coffee to help the show keep going, head to patreon.com slash Victor Salmon. We hugely appreciate your help to continue making intimate conversations for you and yours. If not, you can always help other intimacy nerds find the podcast by leaving us a review anywhere online, especially iTunes. Or you can just tell a friend. The opening music is on hold for you, made of algorithmically generated notes and chords, and played by an AI-rendered saxophonist. The closing music is Gymnopédie, number one, by Eric Satie. Both are provided royalty-free, courtesy of Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Thanks so much for your time, and may your most important relationships be filled with the intimate, rich interactions you crave. Be well. <laughs>